0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today. Your singing was fabulous. I think the worship this morning was uh, particularly meaningful, and to hear your voices was really tremendous. During the months of January and February, I'm in a series on Proverbs. Sometimes it's good to take a book of the Bible and just kind of work your way through it. It's helpful to see the bigger themes that are going on in a particular book. And I've encouraged you to um, read through one chapter a day. Um, Proverbs is 31 chapters, so January is 31 days, and for February as well you can do the same thing, and that kind of gives us an overall perspective of what Proverbs is about. Proverbs is a children's book written by Solomon to raise up the next generation on how to be wise. Some people have said that a good working definition of wisdom is not just knowing the right thing to do. It's when and where to do the right things. It's a practical application of knowledge. It's doing life from God's perspective. It's seeing and doing life from God's perspective. And most of us in this room, I think, are Christ followers. Some of you may be exploring a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I think most of us have it in our hearts that doing life God's way is better than doing life our own way, and we want to figure out during the various seasons of our life, the circumstances of our our life, figuring out doing and seeing life from God's perspective. So we've been looking at, over the past five weeks, different subjects. This morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of how do you handle difficult people? Do you have difficult people in your life? Are you sitting next to (laughs) the difficult person in your life? Who are the difficult people? A boss at work, a co worker. A neighbor, somebody at church, your own family member, a kid that's just driving you crazy. Every Monday, I read the entire book of Proverbs because I know what the subject is going to be for my sermon preparation. And I just want to see, you know, what does Solomon say about whatever subject? I stopped at chapter 13 of 31 this Monday because Solomon listed so many difficult people. I thought, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to explain all of these people. So I just kind of stopped and said, okay, I think you'll get the point. So for example, Solomon says that there are several different kinds of difficult people. He talks a lot about the sluggard. Don't you love that word? Slug. Sluggard. The lazy person. Uh, The fool. Who is the fool? Someone who lacks good judgment and refuses to be corrected and disciplined. You're a wise person if you're not defensive and you're open to correction. Um, The angry person, the prideful person. People who cannot control their tongues. And there's a whole set of subcategories underneath that. For example, there's the gossip. There's the cutting and sarcastic people in your life. And then there's the thoughtless comments that wound people. You know, there are some people that just say things and then they go, ooh. Just thoughtless. But as I looked through Proverbs, I began to realize that um, actually every difficult person that Solomon talks about can be categorized under four kinds of difficult people. So let me just give you those, and then we'll jump into how to handle them. Okay? So the first kind of difficult person is the demanding people in our life. These are the tanks. These are the people who are bossy, pushy, expect you to do whatever they want you to do. They are dominating and controlling. They have an attitude of entitlement. You ever have somebody walk into your office, you know, at work and just kind of sit down and they didn't make an appointment? They they, they just like showed up and they just expect you to drop whatever you're doing and deal with whatever they're dealing with. They usually struggle with pride and arrogance. They come across as know-it-alls. Now, here's the thing. With demanding people, you never really feel good enough because you sense their constant disapproval. They can be nitpicky, critical, and your best never seems to be good enough, the demanding person. The second kind of difficult person is the destructive person. Notice we're all going with D's. The destructive person has anger issues. They are volcanoes because they erupt. They use their voice to intimidate. They just get louder. Destructive people are demanding people, or demeaning people. They are masters at put-downs. They're usually quick-witted. They have a lot of sniper comments. You know what sniper comments are, right? Hit and run. You you ever had somebody just, like, give you a dig and then they moved on in the conversation and you're just left with, "I I think they just criticized me. You know, it was the quick knife in the jab. Usually they're sarcastic, caustic. Now, you never feel good around destructive people because they do not build you up, they tear you down. Destructive people are master manipulators. Interestingly, destructive people have other people around them that walk around on eggshells. You know what that means? It's this idea of, well, you you don't want to say that, because that'll make them mad. And if they get mad, they'll... Right? So there's the demanding person, the destructive person, there's also the disingenuous person. These are the people who say one thing, but their actions don't really back them up there's a high level of passive aggressiveness in disingenuous people because they're always sending mixed signals. And the mixed signals are meant to manipulate you and to keep you off guard, and you're never exactly sure where you stand with these people because they hold their, excuse the gambling analogy, they hold their cards close to the vest, and they're never really going to let you in. And you're always kind of left with, I don't know, is today a good day or a bad day? And then there's the downer people. These are the people who are the clouds in our life. The wet blankets, the eors. They are negative and critical, they're cup-half-empty people, and um, they always see what's wrong before they see what's right. Oftentimes, downer people will carry a victim mentality that basically, they may not even come out and say it, but basically they're like, like, you know, my life has been more difficult, and I struggle more than other people, and other people are responsible for me not being happy. Now, the question is this. How can you and I successfully navigate the difficult relationships of our life, whether it's in a home, in our neighborhood, at work, or even at church. How can we do it wisely, and most importantly of all, how can we do this in a Christ-like way? Is it Christ-like to just back off and just ignore people? Nope. Is it Christ-like to dominate? Now here's, I'm going to come back to this at the end of the message, but I think I probably ought to say it now. You're somebody else's difficult person. It's true. I'm somebody else's difficult person. And so it's easy for us to get caught in a mindset of, if only I could get rid of these people in my life, I would be happy. God loves you too much to get rid of the difficult people in your life because... Difficult people shape us in the sanctifying process of Christ-likeness more than any other group. We try to get rid of difficult people, and God keeps bringing difficult people into our lives. People that rub up against us the wrong way, and we're like, oh, God. It keeps you on your knees. So, how do we deal with difficult people in a Christ-like way? Four things. The first is refuse to be offended do not take the behavior of others personally their demanding destructive disingenuous and downer behavior actually says more about them than you so let me ask you are you easily offended do you have a, are you touchy you know what i mean by touchy right Somebody looks at you cross crossways and you're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Are you touchy? Are you thin-skinned? God wants you to go through life with joy and peace. He does not want you walking around life always being offended, always getting your feelings hurt. And frankly, God doesn't want you to be a touchy person. He, in other words, He wants you to develop a thicker skin while remaining tender at heart. Usually we have it backwards, right? Usually we have a thin skin and struggle with a hardened heart. God wants you to have a thick hide and a tender soul. So how do you stop being offended by the difficult people in your life? Proverbs says two things. One is, ignore the offense. Just ignore it. Proverbs 12 16 says, When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will ignore an insult. Pick and choose your battles. So, what do you do when a difficult person hurts you? Do you get angry? Do you give them the silent treatment? Do you rant on Facebook? Do you gossip about them? Do you slap them back? You you know you know what Solomon says? Fools slap back. Your emotional and spiritual maturity is revealed by how you respond to those who mistreat or misunderstand you. In other words, don't let their bad behavior Have control over you. Don't let their words, their actions, eat away at you. Consider the source. Refuse to play the game. What a difficult person says and does, says more about them, and how you respond to them, says more about you. What I've discovered is that it's helpful to come up with a couple different neutral phrases to buy you a little bit of time. So for example, I cannot be the only person who has ever been in a conversation that's gone a certain way and I'm, I'm stunned and I don't even know what to say. So have you ever had this experience where you don't know what to say and you just start talking and you're just talking for the sake of talking and you don't even know what's coming out of your mouth but hopefully it's going to be, you know, not really bad. A wise person said to me years ago, and I've always tried to apply this. I mean, I'm not 100%, but I try. He said, Mark, stick three neutral phrases in your pocket. Three phrases that you can use, no matter what the situation. When you don't know what to say, pull one of these phrases out, and that'll buy you a little bit of time to think. So, for example, somebody says something really crazy to you or offensive to you, Or you don't even know what to say. You go, hmm, that's interesting. Wow. That's something. Oh, you're so funny. Solomon says a second way to not be offended. The first way is to ignore, right? I mean, there are some things that people say and do that you should just purposely don't feed into it. The the second thing that Solomon says is be patient. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It's to the person's glory to actually overlook offense. Okay, so you're dealing with difficult people. There's somebody at work that's just really rubbing you the wrong way. Why should you be patient with them? Because patience buys you a little bit of time to better understand that person and where they're coming from. I am not suggesting that we should excuse that person's bad behavior. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that if you buy yourself a little bit of patience, you never know what somebody's dealing with in their personal life. But if you patiently listen to them, you'll uncover it. You don't know if the person you're working with is going through a divorce or not. You don't know if they were molested as a child. You don't know if their spouse walked out on them. You don't know if they're dealing with a chronic illness. You don't know if their kids are going crazy. You don't know if their kids are on drugs. You don't know if they're struggling with drug abuse. You just don't know a lot of times. Hurt people hurt people. Offensive people are offensive for a reason. Yes, there are that 3% of people in society you know, that are just like crazy and they're just kind of off the wall people and nothing you do or nothing you say is going to make any difference. But most people, when they're acting inappropriately, are doing so and it's coming someplace in their heart. And so if you're patient, you begin to listen to part of their narrative and then you can begin to respond to their pain, not their words. So when someone comes across in a really offensive way, when somebody's demeaning, demanding, you know, disingenuous or a real downer, and you begin to know a little bit of their background, you can begin to change your strategy in a Christ-like way to actually help them and not be personally offended. Because it's not about you. It's actually about them. So when you listen to somebody's narrative at work, and you begin to hear some of their background cuz if you're care- you know if you listen carefully it'll squeak out you can begin to respond to their pain and usually usually that person begins to let down a little bit it's a wise strategy be patient number 2 second strategy the first is just refuse to be offended The second way to deal with difficult people is to speak up, don't cave in. In other words, do not give in to the demanding, destructive, disingenuous, or downer people in your life who are trying to manipulate or control you. The Bible says we should only be controlled by one person. Who is that person? The Holy Spirit. We're to be spirit-led. We're to be controlled under the authority of the Holy Spirit. We're not to be controlled by demanding people, people who are destructive, the volcanoes, people who are passive aggressive, sending us mixed messages, and the cloudy people in our lives. Stand up for yourself and others. Now, a lot of people do not get this. They'll say things like, well, aren't we supposed to forgive? Aren't we supposed to be gracious? Aren't we supposed to be accommodating? Aren't we supposed to love and embrace everybody? Absolutely. 100%. But don't be a doormat. There's a difference. So let me give you an illustration. I have seen this illustration played out many times. Ladies, this is for you. Let's say that your husband is abusive and has hit you or is so toxic they're just driving you into the ground. You say to your husband, you need to leave, and he leaves, or you leave, because it's an unbelievably bad relationship And you're actually fearing being hit. So let's just assume for a moment your husband leaves. A day later your husband calls you up and says, I'm really sorry, I lost my mind. I'll never do that again. Let me come back into the house. What should you do? Should you forgive your husband? Absolutely, you should forgive your husband. Because you've been forgiven of much. Because forgiveness is good for you. And your husband deserves forgiveness. But forgiveness and trust are two different things. Forgiveness is free, trust is earned. Forgiveness is immediate, trust is a process. I've heard a lot of bad counsel through the years, even among colleagues. But I'm here to tell you that forgiveness is free, trust is earned. You don't need to constantly be putting yourself in harm's way. Loving and forgiving someone does not mean you keep allowing yourself to be hurt. So you need to take a step back and say to yourself, I'm going to protect me. And the struggle with that is is that there's a fine line between selfishness and self-preservation. But they feel the same. And if you live with a master manipulator, they will demand forgiveness. And you should forgive. But that doesn't mean you come all the way back to trusting them with everything. In other words, we confuse meek with weak. You ever done a study on the Greek word meek? It's a term used for mastering stallions. You get a stallion, you have to break that stallion, you have to control that stallion, so that the master can ride the horse. But just because a horse can be ridden by another doesn't mean the horse is weak. It's meek. Meek is power under control. That's what the, defini- that's what the Greek definition is. The biblical definition of meek is power under control. So when it comes to the difficult people in our life, we shouldn't have any problem standing up and saying phrases like this. Don't talk to me like that again. I will not be intimidated by you. We'll continue this conversation when you have your emotions under control. I don't feel safe around you right now. Jesus was a master at this. You know, there are several times in the gospel in which Jesus says unbelievable things. For example, you know, right after the story of the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is transformed in all of his glory, and Peter says, This is a great place. I mean, there's Moses and Elisha, and we should build three tabernacles, and then they come down from the mountain, and they're in the valley and the disciples cannot heal this kid, and everybody's standing around looking at Jesus, you know what Jesus said? How much longer must I put up with this wicked and perverse generation? Oh my word. I just think the disciples got a slap down. He didn't say that to the crowd. He said it to the disciples. Jesus had many difficult people in his life, primarily people we call the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, during his teaching, says something that is very offensive to the Pharisees. And the disciples, I think it's Matthew 15, 12, the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, do you know that what you said offended the Pharisees? And Jesus says to them, let them go, they're blind guides. Do you know Jesus called the Pharisees liars to their face? That's pretty strong language. But Jesus is showing us something. Jesus was always loving. Jesus was always kind. Jesus always exhibited the fruit of the Spirit. But Jesus knew how to stand up for himself. And you should know how to stand up for you. You should never cave to difficult people. You should never give in to demanding, destructive, disingenuous, or downer people. If you know who you are in Christ, you'll know how to stand up for yourself. That's not selfishness. That's self-preservation. Three, how do you deal with difficult people? Well, you you just ignore the offense, you know, as best you can. Um, you, You stand up for yourself. Three, you always take the high ground. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. What on earth does that mean? It means this. You never win when you get on the same level as the difficult person in your life. You just never win. You should always do the right thing whether the other person does the right thing or not. If you're insulted, treat them with kindness. If you, they are unloving to you, you love them back. If they are mean to you, you are kind to them. Why? Solomon says two things in this proverb. He says first of all, your kindness will humble them and make them realize the error of their ways. That's what it means to heap burning coals on their head and bring shame. Unless you're dealing with somebody who is too far gone, that's like 0.5% of the population. If you're dealing with just typical, difficult people, when you are kind to difficult people, even though they have not been kind to you, you can guarantee that there's something inside of them that begins to burn. Oh, man. They're not giving me back. You know, there are some people that just like to fight. There are some people that just like to keep up an argument. And no matter what you do, they're just always going to fight back. But if you stop fighting and you are kind to them, if you are loving to them, Jesus said, love your enemies. If you love your enemies, that doesn't mean you don't stand up for yourself. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. But if you love your enemies, you can guarantee that there is something inside of them that gets irritated. That you're not slapping back. And oftentimes, people will power down and feel ashamed of themselves because they've been acting so badly toward you and you've been nothing but loving toward them. The second thing that this proverb talks about is God promises to reward you if you won't slap back. If you are kind and gracious and loving, even though from a human standpoint you shouldn't be like that, God promises to reward you. I don't know what those rewards are. Maybe the rewards are the satisfaction of simply knowing that you're not playing on their level. Maybe the satisfaction is you earning a friend. How many of you have had people that have been difficult people for you, but you've been kind, gracious, and loving to them, and somewhere along the way they softened and flipped? And they started opening up to you. And you developed a relationship and a friendship. That's what patience does. Number four, be and do Jesus. Just be and do Jesus. We have an advantage that Solomon did not have. We have Jesus. Jesus is our example. I already talked about that, how Jesus handled difficult people. Jesus was profoundly kind, loving, and gracious, but to people who were difficult to Him, He was still kind, gracious, and loving, but He didn't take their guff. He is also our Savior. Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you received His forgiveness and grace? Have you considered, Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? You were God's difficult person. Stop and think about that for a moment. Can you imagine if God would have said, I am so sick to death of reaching out to you year after year after year. I'm done with you. Off with your head. Jesus didn't do that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the point when it comes to difficult relationships. You can't give what you haven't received. You've been forgiven. You've received grace. You've been God's difficult person. And who are we to not be forgiving and gracious toward the difficult people in our life? You cannot give what you haven't received. Some of you here, maybe this is your first week, your second week, your third week, maybe you've been coming for some months, you're trying to explore Christianity, you're not exactly sure where you stand with God and Jesus and who is Jesus and, uh, you know, Pastor Mark talked about the Holy Spirit earlier and you're just like, I'm confused here it is. Jesus was a real person that walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. No one questions that. And Jesus made the most outrageous statements about himself. I am the son of God. And you're just going to have to make a decision whether you believe that or not. But if you come to the place of realizing that Jesus is who he said he was and is, that means that the only legitimate response that you can give back to Jesus is to open up your life to Him. Jesus promised you that if you would open up your life to Him, He would come in, He would have fellowship with you, He would forgive every sin you've ever committed, and He would put His Spirit inside of you and help you to to live a Christ-like life. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? This morning, before you leave, you can just simply just pray a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I open up my life to you. Forgive every sin I've ever committed. Come into my life. I want to start following you. If you pray that prayer with sincerity, he will come in. Jesus is also our strength. John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. The main theme is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it was necessary for him to go away because if he didn't go away, he wouldn't give us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And so who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is Jesus living inside of us. His life living inside of us. You need help dealing with the difficult people in your life. You ever get to the end of your rope where you're just going to burst? I'm going to walk away before I say something I shouldn't say or do something I shouldn't do. You know what you do? You should lean into the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, help me. Help me. Expand my capacity to deal with difficult people. I want to end with a verse from Proverbs that really embodies this whole idea, if you will keep looking to the Lord, the Lord's going to help you with the difficult people in your life. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. When a woman's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even her enemies live at peace with him. When a teenager's Ways are pleasing to the Lord. He makes even the crazy people at school live at peace with you. The difficult people in your life are heavenly sandpaper, they scratch and hurt you. But later you'll be smooth polished and shining and fit for the master's use. You know you are making emotional and spiritual progress when you begin to thank God for the difficult people in your life. Because God is using them to buff you up and to smooth you out. So I went to the hardware store this week, and I bought a whole bunch of sandpaper. <laughs> and I cut it up into these, these pieces, about this big. Some are a little bit like a credit card size. Some are smaller. And I'm wondering if um, I want to give the benediction in just a moment, if some of you want to come up. There's a whole bunch of them on that speaker and there's a whole bunch of them on, on that speaker as well and, and just pick up a piece of sandpaper and stick it in your wallet put it in your sock drawer put it in your ashtray in the car and whenever you run across a difficult person you just kind of pick it up and go I'm somebody else's difficult person. Have a little humility. Lord Jesus, help me to stand up for myself. Help me to be not so thin-skinned and touchy. Help me to be like you would want me to be. Does that make sense to you? Would you stand, please? I'm going to ask you to just um, consider bringing one or two difficult people to your mind right now that you're really frustrated with. And just say to the Lord, Lord, here, I, I give you those people. You're going to give them back to me as soon as I give them to you. And I'm going to have to just, you know, do my best to deal with them. But God, help me to see the difficult people in my life through your lens. And use those difficult people to refine me to be more like you. Jesus, help us to be Christ-like. Help us to know when to stand up and when to let it go. Make us more like you, Jesus, with the sandpaper people in our life. Amen. God bless you as you go. If you want to come up to the speakers there and pick up some sandpaper, please feel free to do so.